بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان لا يوم الدين وبعد We continue with the uh, chapter regarding the فضل الذكر والحث عليه uh, the chapter regarding the, the virtues of the remembrance and praise of Allah Ta'ala and <coughs> motivation uh, to, uh, to, to to keep making it. عن ثوبان رضي الله تعالى عنه وعن ثوبان رضي الله تعالى عنه قال كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا صرف من صلاته استغفر ثلاثا وقال اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تباركت يا ذا الجلال والإكرام قيل للأوزاعي وهو أحد رواة الحديث كيف الاستغفار قال يقول أستغفر الله أستغفر الله رواه مسلم In your nuskha because there's mistakes this is a very it's a it's a nuskha that could use a little bit of love. Um, do you have tabarakta ya dal jalali wal ikram without without rabbana, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually the way the hadith is supposed to be. I just want to make sure, inshallah. Yeah, yeah. My nuskha is like kana rasul. There's no Allah here. There's just kana rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Which is one wonderful thing about Arabic syntax and grammar. You can pick mistakes out when the ibarah doesn't put together properly. It helps you kind of edit mistakes, copious mistakes that are natural. They're going to happen. So Thoban narrates that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, uh, when he was done with his salat, he would ask Allah for forgiveness three times. And then he would say, Allahumma anta salamu minka salamu tabarakta ya jalali wal ikram. Oh Allah, uh, you are salam. Aidu salamatin min kulli ma yaliku bi jalali dhatika wa kamali sifatika. Oh, Muslim liman shi'ta min al ibad. That you are the one who has is free of blemish or free of taint or free of any anything anything untoward in your in your in your holy and majestic essence. And in the perfection of your attributes, uh, 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 and you're the one who gives uh, this quality to your slaves. So, salama is something you know. Uh, when we say assalamu alaikum, one of the primary meanings of it, the most important meaning that many people oftentimes don't take, because they're like salam min bisiyani. It's not you know. Like, let's back up for a second. It's one of the names of Allah Ta'ala. So obviously that, that meaning of the word salam has priority over all the others. And salam doesn't just mean peace, but it, it, as in the opposite of war or in the opposite of anger or fighting or whatever. But it means, you know, like alhamdulillah ala salam, being safe, being safe from like any sort of negativity or whatever. And so, uh, oh Allah, you are salam and all salam to other people comes from you. A person wants to be free of sadness, free of poverty, free of injury, free of whatever negative things, all of it comes from you. Tabarakta ya dal jalali wal ikram. That uh, 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 blessed 
uh, are you. And blessed is everything from you, O one who is possessed of majesty and uh, uh, of, of, of the bestowal of honor. Uh, it was asked of Oza'i, rahimullah ta'ala, who's the great Mujtahid Imam of the people of Sham uh, in his day in the time of the Salaf. It was asked of Oza'i, who is one of the narrators of this hadith, uh, that how, how, how did the Prophet make istighfar, meaning how did he ask Allah to forget him? Because in the beginning of the hadith, it mentioned that he asked Allah to forgive him three times. He said he would say, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. I ask Allah forgiveness. I ask Allah, I seek from Allah forgiveness. So it's a very simple, it's a very simple uh, uh, expression. وَأَنْ الْمُغِيرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَلَىٰ عَنْهُ إِبْنِ شُعْبَةَ أَنَّ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ كَانَ إِذَا فَرَغَ مِنَ الصَّلَاةِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير اللهم لا مانع لما أعطيت ولا معطي لما منعت ولا ينفوذ الجد منك الجد متفق عليه المغيرة بن شعبة رضي الله عنه narrates that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم when he finished his salat he said لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير which we read last week uh, as well, and now we see that it's at the end of Salat. These are pieces that get put together the further we get into the Bab. And then with it, he said, Oh Allah, uh, uh, there's no one who can, who can obstruct or prevent uh, uh, a person from receiving the thing that you give. And there's no one who can give the thing that you prevent or obstruct a person from receiving. And there's nobody that has any type of treasure that will uh, uh, be such that that treasure will benefit them, uh, you know, in spite of you. And it's really, it's really, uh, it's really important, mashallah, we should think about that. We think of people with money and with power or with certain things that, you know, put them ahead. You know, people, people are wealthy, people are powerful, people inherit things, people have property. People like yourself, mashallah, are so beautiful, mashallah. Uh, all of these things, Allah gives them. People who abuse them, Allah gives them to those people and He knows that they're abusing them. Don't think that they're somehow, uh, you know, they're somehow doing it through their wealth despite everything. That the nafa' of the jad doesn't, you know, the, the jad here doesn't mean grandfather. Here it means it means like a treasure. That there's no one has such a, such a treasure that it will benefit. Uh, than anything in front of you. None of it means anything except for except for uh, what you uh, want it to mean. When Abdullah ibn Zubayr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a Khalifa Rashid and he was the, the Imam of the Ummah in his time and uh, he ruled uh, the Ummah after the misdeeds of Yazid. Uh, he ruled the Ummah first. Uh, he had authority over Hijaz, Makkah Mukarram, and Medina Munawwara, and Iraq, and uh, 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 Yemen, and uh, Egypt, and most of much of Sham, to the point where at some point Banu Umayyah's control only was Damascus, and they got to the gates more or less. Uh, but uh, Abdul Malik bin Marwan, his political adversary, uh, with his henchman enforcer. Uh, uh, Hajjaj bin Yusuf 
they politically outflanked him and, and then ejected him. But according to the Mashaykh, the Ahlus Sunnah al Jama'ah, he was the rightful ruler. They deposed him. Uh, and so he ruled from Makkah Mukarramah. Uh, and uh, he's a great source of the Sunnah, not only because of him being Khalifa, because when he actually run things, there's a type of practicality that comes with actually doing things. <laughs> combining knowledge and combining action whereas some people may have knowledge but they don't know they say about like for example about they say one of the great ulama in the past um, you know came to arrived in Makkah Mukarramah in the middle of the night so he went for to do his tawaf, tawaf around the Kaaba and no one was there so a small child you know very few people were there so a small child he said you're making tawaf in the wrong direction you're supposed to go this way not the other way and so this guy's a big big mullah you know big big scholar so it's like, it's like, how do you know? Like, what's it? Like, wh- wh- how do? You, why do you think you're like in a position to tell me? He said, he said, don't you know you're supposed to keep the Kaaba on your uh, on your left hand side? Uh, I read it in the book of so and so Sheikh, and it was that guy. It was his own book, but he never did it before. So like, you know, how are you supposed to? There's so many things like that that you, once you see it, then you're like, oh, this is what that means. This is what this means. Um, and so you know, said Abdullah bin Zubair radiAllahu taala anhu. Uh, one of the reasons his narrations are of particular interest, to, even though all the narrations from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam and from the Aslaf are important, is because he also was there and he did all that. So another reason is what is that he's the grandson of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq and he's the the, the nephew of Sayyidina Aisha radiallahu anha. And one of the the sources of her knowledge was kept with him because she there was no parda, there was no hijab between them because he was her mahram. So the knowledge of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, he learned from his mother, and from uh, uh, from you know from his uh, uh, khala, he learned that, and he also learned the knowledge of the Prophet He was the first child born in Medina Munawwara after Hijra that survived. A bunch of children were born, but they passed away in their infancy. So he's very young. He's one of the, definitely one of the junior Sahaba but a very pious and very righteous man, and a man who uh, his opinion in Deen is is something to be taken very seriously. So they say the Abad al-Arba'ah, there are four Abdullahs from the younger jeel of the companions, whom that are important. Instead of drawing, maybe you should write these four names down. There are four Abdullahs. Abdullahis, which one? Abdullah bin Umar, Ibn al-Khattab, Abdullah bin Umar ibn al-Asi, uh, Abdullah bin Abbas, anhuma and Abdullah bin Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhuma that these, these, these four Abdullahs were the custodians of the knowledge of the younger generation of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum and this is one of the reasons you see their hadith narrated so frequently it's not necessarily that they knew more than the elders did but the elders saw it and the knowledge is common knowledge between them uh, whereas once all of them left the, this world then everybody had to come to these people to learn about the deen and about the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa so Abdullah ibn Zubair radiallahu ta'ala anhu وعن عبد الله بن زبير رضي الله تعالى عنه أنه كان يقول دبر كل صلاة حين يسلم لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله لا إله إلا الله ولا نعبد إلا إياه له النعمة وله الفضل وله الثناء الحسن لا إله إلا الله مخلصين له الدين ولو كره الكافرون قال ابن الزبير رضي الله عنهما وكان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يهلل بهن دبر كل صلاة سبدلا بن زبير رضي الله تعالى عنه 
uh, uh, he. Uh, um, he used to say after every salat, "La ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu lahu al-mulk wa lahu al-hamdu wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadir," which we read last week and we read this week as well. That there's no god except for Allah alone, without any partner, and that to Him belongs dominion and praise, and He is omnipotent over all things. His omnipotence extends over all things. And there is no uh, power to resist sin, nor any uh, force that can uh, establish God's uh, obedience, except for uh, with Allah or from Allah and by Allah. Uh, and uh, there is no God except for Allah, la ilaha illallah. And we worship nobody except for Him. Uh, and all blessing is His. And all grace is His. And all good uh, praise, beautiful praise is His. Uh, there is no God except for Allah. Uh, and we say this, uh, making our deen sincerely and purely for Him. Uh, and even if the disbelievers should dislike it. And they're going to dislike it, trust me. It burns them to this day. Not all of them, but there are some of them, they have this shaitan like resides inside their, their hearts. They see you pray, they see your beard, they see your hijab, they see, you know, that you're not eating pork with them. They do something filthy, and so when they see that you're staying clean, they're like, oh, you think you're better than me? You know, it's going to happen. No problem. If a pig eater is unhappy about something, like, what, what, is, it, what is it to me? If it wasn't for Allah's fadl, we would have been that as well. So obviously we should have pity on people and try to guide them to what's best. At some point or another, people conscientiously choose not to uh, not to follow this. It is what it is. Front. Uh, so Ibn Zubayr radiallahu ta'ala anhu mentions, he said that these are the things that the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to read after every salat. And so uh, uh, this is part of the, the, I guess, the takeaway from today's lesson is that everyone should have a, a, a word that they say after, after the farth prayer. Uh, there are a couple of wuju for why this is a sunnah and how it's a sunnah. One is that in the, in the Masjid of Rasulullah wasallam, the ladies used to come for Fajr and for Maghrib and for Isha. Not for the not for the two prayers of the day, but for the prayers of the night. The Masjid of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it wasn't until the eighth year of Hijrah that Tamim al-Dari received permission to bring a couple of candles in it to lightly, to light it dimly. And what would happen is that the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and the men would be there early so they could read their sunnahs or make their zikr before the uh, 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 Salat al-Maghrib and then the ladies the adab was that they would come in right at the end and the salam once it was said they would leave right away and so one of the would you have the, the, the congregational vicar not congregational vicar I should say the vicar of the congregation because it's not like they used to say it out loud together in one voice, 
but the congregation would sit to make vicar is what is that after the salat this gives a sufficient amount of time for the ladies to leave the masjid uh, without without anything being you know anything untoward happening between people and without people distracting one another and so rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam the men would sit facing the qibla and he would sit facing sideways or slightly obliquely toward the uh, toward the congregation so that he could see out of his peripheral vision have the ladies left yet so he'd make dhikr for that amount of time at least but there's another waj that has nothing to do with that right and despite all of those things then the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said that the best of the rows of the men are the ones that are in the front and the worst are the ones that are in the back and the best of the rows of the women are the ones that are in the back and the, meaning the women would be closer and closer to the men only when there was necessity for it uh, that, that a person should try not to do that but the other wajh of the vicar after the salat is what? Is that the salat itself has a purification that comes with it, which is separate. And then it has a reward that comes with it that's separate, and it has an increase in maqam that comes with it that's separate. These are three different things. And so with the increase in maqam, it makes a person's ibadat that they do henceforth all the more beneficial for them. And with the being clean from the from from the forgiveness of the salat, it makes now the the avkar and the ibadah that a person does um, now be packaged in such a way that the person can take the the the, the complete benefit from it. How do I explain this? Uh, I believe it's Ibn Qayyim. He writes very in a very elegant summary. He says that. He was asked, like, should I do more tasbih or more istighfar? And so he made a comment like, you know, the dirty, the dirty vessel is more in need of soap than it is of perfume. Which is interesting. You know, this is a culture that's very anti-bathing. America is, mashallah, much better than, like, continental Europe. But the mother culture it comes from, it's actually very anti-bathing. Queen Victoria used to bathe twice a year. Uh, uh, and she was, like, the, whatever, the empress of, like, India and this huge colonial empire, right? Uh, and uh, so people just put on perfume on top of whatever, and it's just like this weird thing. I think to this day, I think the average, average uh, French person bathes like twice a week, and that's probably just because there's a lot of Algerians and Tunisians there, to be honest with you. You know, like it's just one of those things. So, uh, um, you know, with a person's ibadah, we can laugh at people with their physical whatever, but with a person's ibadah, it's like that as well. But like I say, being a person who has a great propensity for negativity, I remind other people so that they don't get disturbed by my negativity that everything, no matter how negative it is, there's another side of the coin that's just as positive. Which is that once you've prayed your salat, Allah Ta'ala accepts your salat from you. You know, if, you, if you're not a particularly pious person, like, you know, like you're like me, you're not a particularly pious person. You pray in the congregation, somebody, there's some Ahlullah person in there that, you know, is a good guy, inshallah, and their salat is accepted. So you, you know, we all get in, you know, we all get in with that. This is a prime opportunity. You did the work of making adab, the farda Allah Ta'ala put for you. It's like a worker who set the table for dinner, and then the master says, hey, why don't you have something to eat as well? So that's another wajh of the dhikr after the salawat, which is why we do it even if we're praying alone or if there's no people of the opposite gender or any of that stuff. Uh, and so a person should and must construct a word of what adhkar they say after the salat 
because that's the time. That's the time you strike when the iron's hot. Right? Why is it that the uh, the blacksmith strikes the iron? Because if it's cold and you strike the iron, you're just like beating metal on metal, right? It's a great workout, I guess. Maybe it's not. Maybe you'll get carpal tunnel. It's not even a good workout. But if you strike while the iron's hot, that's the time that the chabath, the, the slag comes out of the metal and it actually purifies it and makes it stronger and you can shape it into whatever shape you want in a way you cannot do when you're when the metal's cold. That's the time to strike. And so what happens, a person's like, well, I'm done with my farth, I got a dash, I got a this and that. And obviously, like, you know, people do have stuff to do in the day. But even though the sharia permits it, but it's unfortunate. Missing the salat would be a catastrophe. The person who misses the salat without a, a, a shari excuse. The hadith of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, is ka'annama ahluhu. It's uh, their state is such that like a person, it's the likeness of a person that their entire wealth, their property, and their family was all like destroyed, lost in one day. Can you imagine we would come and give consolation and condolence to one another if that were to happen? We would open a GoFundMe or launch good pious project, right? But that's the thing is, you know, this is one of the things uh, I see, mashallah, people will sometimes get on people who like remind people to pray and things like that, or even our brothers from the Jama'at Tabligh telling people, why you come tell me to pray? I'm already Muslim and this and that, right? I'm like, you don't have to join them. And I understand the guys that are in your neighborhood probably are genuinely annoying. Or it's possible, not probably. But it is also, mathematically, we know that this will happen to someone, that they will genuinely be annoying people in, in some neighborhood somewhere, right? Maybe a little more than that even. But the asal of when you just say this person's annoying, I don't like them. Don't talk bad about somebody coming to you to remind you to pray. Why? Because ad-dinu nasiha. Deen is to is what is is to be sincere to one another. And la yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba li akhihi ma yuhibbu li nafsihi. None of no one you of you will truly believe until you love for your brother what you love for yourself. This is a great hadith, right? Even the humanists, secular humanists like it. They're like, this is the this is the spiritual Islam you know that we should teach. Not all this other stuff, man. You know, like let's be okay with the riba and with the you know, the haram riba and the haram ribai and this and that and and everything else is do exactly the same thing that 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 the you know that the man wants us to do and corporations you know we want to do genuinely for ourselves because the corporations told us but it's we us that want to express our, well, all that stuff one hundred percent. Even the, the even those guys can get with that, right? Well, if you actually believe that, if the Rasul Sallallahu is saying, right, that such a person misses the prayer, it's an utter catastrophe. After the Salat is done, however, to walk away from the, from, from the zikr of Allah Ta'ala, it's just, it's very unfortunate. It may not be that big of a catastrophe, it's just very unfortunate. You did all the work, you, you put all the work, you took the time out, you made wudu, you know, if you're pious like this guy, you took your socks off, mashallah. You, you did everything you needed to, you know. And now this is the time to this is the this is the time to like the, for the bonus round, and you just left it. Why would you want to leave it? So you should have some sort of weird that you construct. This is one of the misfortunes of the do-it-yourself Islam, which is that you know you want to construct your weird of what you're going to say after after the salat. Good luck. It's one of the longest chapters in. Uh, in the Riyadh al-Salihin, which is not even, it's not even a book of hadith. It's a book of ta'aliqat. 
if you want to look in Bukhari and Muslim, God help you. Like it's you're not gonna you're not gonna make heads or tails of it, you know. And even if you try to selectively through your quote unquote ijtihad, because everyone's much ahead nowadays, you're gonna uh, you're gonna through your ijtihad make your own words. You're not gonna know what it is and how to put the pieces together, except for you put in an amount of study that no one's gonna put in. Whereas the person who read, read the Risalat ibn Abi Zaid al-Qayrawani, 100% just crank it, crank it right from the bat. And then afterward, you'll hear a thousand people tell you, oh, the madhabs, you know, they're blind followers of this and that and other thing. And uh, they, they worship, you know, Abu Hanifa and worship Malik and all this other stuff, which I've actually heard people say this to me. And I'm like, okay, you know, you worship your guy and I can take names, but why? You already know which names I'm going to say. Uh, um, you know, you have your holy trinity that you like take your whole dean from. That's fine. Like, but these guys, from the time that they're children, they're crazy. And then one day they'll read the books of Hadith, even the Riyadh al-Salihin, and they're like, oh, wow, this is why he said to say this, this is why he said to say that. If any of you read the Risala, you read the Ibadat, you'll now, in, 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 in quick sequence, you'll actually get most of what Ibn Abi Zayd uh, uh, put together, constructed as the words for the end of the Salat and for after the Salat. And I mean, he, read, he was a Hafiz of Hadith. He read a lot more than just... Riyadh al-Salihin, which didn't exist at that time, but whatever the madda of it is, he read a lot more, so you'll get all of those things in short order. But you have to construct that, and you have to say it. And in the beginning, what you'll do is you walk around with like a, a, a dua book or whatever and things, and it will be hard, and you're not going to get any benefit out of it because your heart's going to be like reading and like doing fathah dhamma kasra work, right? But this is one of the reasons we send kids to maktab is the hope is that by the time someone has some good sense inside of them, the, the 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 memorization part and the looking at the book part has already become like muscle memory. Then the mind and the heart can engage. So if you're like you know grown up and now you're gonna become like more like religious and stuff, um, and you're like, oh, this is really dry. I need something more spiritual. No, there's a barrier to entry. Even if you're going to walk into McDonald's and eat a eat a Big Mac because it has no pork in it or whatever, right? They're still going to charge you something. There's a barrier of entry to it. Rabb Tabarak wa Ta'ala gives you something, but he wants to see it. Are you going to value it? So you now hit your head against the wall, inshallah, for a while. Allah will keep rewarding you. The Mashaikh, they say this. Hazrat Tanri, I just read a, a small blurb of his. That people people say that like, oh, I haven't gotten anything out of my, my worship because it doesn't. I don't feel good in it. You did it. Allah asked you to do something. You did it. The fact that you didn't feel good doing it is secondary. That's fine. It's good. Inshallah, we all feel like wonderful, like, you know, glitter and rainbows and uh, stuff like come out of the, you know, fall out of the sky when every time we read Salat or whatever, right? Just some sort of like level seven psychedelic muraqaba, like good for you. Alhamdulillah. You know, make dua for me while you're there. But Allah asked you to do something and you did it. Like, what more could you want from than that? That's like such an amazing thing. But I guess we don't we don't like to think about that or talk about that a lot. Um, but you, you know, you can construct the word and memorize it. Don't construct it. You're, you can construct it if yourself. If you're big mujahid, go you know have a field day, knock the ball out of the park while you're still fin- figuring out how to like f- like pray. Inshallah, other people will figure out a lot of other things before. If you want to do it yourself, good for you, alhamdulillah. You don't trust anybody, don't trust anybody. No problem, do it. For the rest of us, inshallah, go find one of the books of the mashayikh, the ulama, and memorize this word, and then say it after your salat. 
and look for what difference happens in your life. Not that day, not that week, not that month, but after 20 years of saying these things, one after the other, it has an effect on a person. It makes a person beautiful. It takes the rust off of a person. The rust will come back, obviously. But like the continuous cleaning and upkeep, you're a car guy, right? There's a difference between a car that's been maintained well. Sometimes a person can take an old car and make it nicer now than it was the day it was rolled off the lot because of the way they took care of it. Uh, and it, it will have a difference in your life. And then uh, the day you enter into your qabr, all of these things will be there waiting for you. And, and you'll say, oh man, I thought this was just some pious hype that Mulan Asab was pushing because he couldn't get into med school. Oh dude, this is actually like good. Mubarak to you, all of, all of us on that day, inshallah. وكره الكافرون وعن ابي هريره رضي الله تعالى عنه ان الفقراء ان فقراء المهاجرين اتوا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال عفوا فقالوا ذهب اهل الدثور بالدرجات العلا والنعيم المقيم يصلون كما نصلي ويصومون كما نصوم وَلَهُمْ فَضْلٌ مِنَ الْأَمْوَالِ يَحُجُّونَ وَيَعْتَمِرُونَ وَيُجَاهِدُونَ وَيَتَصَدَّقُونَ فَقَالَ أَلَا أُعَلِّمُكُمْ شَيْئًا تُدْرِكُونَ بِهِ مَنْ سَبَقَكُمْ وَتَصْبِقُونَ بِهِ مَنْ بَعْدَكُمْ وَلَا يَكُونُ أَحَدٌ أَفْضَلَ مِنْكُمْ إِلَّا مَنْ صَنَعَ مِثْلَ مَا صَنَعْتُمْ قَالُوا بَلَا يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ قَالَ تُسَبِّحُونَ وَتُحَمِّدُونَ وَتُكَبِّرُونَ خَلْفَ كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ ثَلَاثًا وَثَلَاثِينَ قال أبو صالح الراوي عن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه لما سئل عن كيفية ذكرهن قال يقول سبحان الله والحمد لله والله أكبر حتى يكون منهن كلهن ثلاثا وثلاثين متفق عليه وزاد مسلم في رواية فرجع فقراء المهاجرين إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقالوا سمع إخواننا أهل الأموال بما فعلنا ففعلوا مثله فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ذلك فضل الله يتيه من يشاء والدثور جمع دثر بفتح الدال وإسكان الثاء المثلثة وهو المال الكثير أبو هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه نريد هذا الحديث and he's from the أصحاب الصفة they were euphemistically referred to as the guests of Islam because they had nothing so they would you know, sit and wait for the Messenger of Allah to come out and he would teach them things about the deen and they were the ones who went on to become the commanders and the governors and the generals and the bureaucrats and the judges uh, 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 of the empire afterward with what the Prophet threw them. Many of us are just here because we're like, okay, you know, it's like kind of a pious thing to do and like, you know, like no one is like returning my, my, my DMs on Facebook and Twitter and so I'm kind of heartbroken and... Uh, so, you know, we may as well do this. Maybe, you know, something will happen for us. So most people who come to these things, that's what it is. However, however, for the person who understands what the qadr of this is, they know that there are people who step one was to sit in these things and understand them. Step two, they ruled the world. And they actually did a good job at it. They managed and they out-civilization the Romans and the Greeks and the Egyptians and the, the Shamis and the people of the Iraq and the Persians. And the Persians were pretty civilized people. 
the Greeks, Romans, I mean, they, they've been at it for a thousand, over a thousand years till that point, and it was cumulative on the great empires and civilizations from those before them. Anyhow, they were sitting there, and so they said, uh, O Messenger of Allah, the, 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 the paupers of the Muhajirin, they came to the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, they said, O Messenger of Allah, alayka salatu wassalam, the people of great wealth, they, they left us behind. They took the, the high uh, uh, stations and they took the blessing uh, of eternity and they left us behind. Because they pray like we pray and they fast like we fast, but they have m- extra money after their needs are met. And we are not able to save anything. They have extra money after their needs are met. With it, they go on Hajj. With it, they go on Umrah. With it, they go out in Jihad fi sabilillah. with their own money and they uh, give then charity to others and he said sallallahu alaihi wasallam shall i not teach you a thing uh, through it you will reach the level uh, of those people who had passed you and through it uh, you will surpass the people who come after you such that they'll never be able to catch up with you And through it, there won't be anyone who's better than you. There will be nobody who has more virtue than you. Except for the one who does the same thing that you did. They said, of course, messenger, yeah, O Messenger of Allah. He said, say, subhanallah and alhamdulillah and Allahu Akbar after every salat 33 times. Abu Saleh, a narrator who narrates, or the narrator who narrates this hadith from Abu Huraira, when he was asked how to do that, he said, say, subhanallah, uh, 33 times, alhamdulillah, uh, and Allah, uh, sorry, alhamdulillah and Allahu Akbar, until they're 33 times each, uh, uh, from each of them. And so hadith, both of Bukhari and Muslim, and the narration of Muslim adds, said, so that the, 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 the paupers of the muhajireen, they returned later to the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and they complaining, they said, our brothers from the wealthy, they heard what you said, and then they started doing it as well. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, this is the grace of Allah Ta'ala, he gives it to whoever he wills. Like that part I can't help you with. Now, fun facts, a couple of them. First of all, it is that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam His daughter Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha wa alayhi salam Bid'atu jasadi rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wasallam The one that he said that you're like a, a, a morsel of flesh from my own self, my own body That he loved so dearly And that he was given bishara that his line will survive through her and basically only through her She used to grind grain at a stone mill which is really heavy it's what we would refer to nowadays as an endurance resistance workout it will make your hands calloused it's not an easy thing to do in many places people have animals do this work like a donkey like pack animals do this work because the stone mill is very heavy and to do it repetitively over and over again it's not easy 
it's not like the work that a princess does whereas there's no princess that has more honor than Sayyidina Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha and Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu used to make money by carrying like water from wells for people so both of them are like super exhausted and their life was so humble so simple their their wedding room was basically like the floor was sand so the ladies of the Ansar in order to make a karam for them went and got the sand from a particular place where the sand was softer to put their bedding down on and now people like they complain and they get like they break up weddings because of this you know they see people do this as well I'm sure there's a you know whatever Arab equivalent like in Tunisia there's probably again they see weddings like if the bride side of the family serves like uh, chicken biryani instead of mutton biryani they'll call, the husband side gets furious and they call the wedding off I'm sure in, in Tunis it's like whatever chicken couscous instead of uh, <laughs> instead of like mutton couscous or whatever right the one other fish instead of the good fish I don't know right chicken mansaf or whatever like I don't know right so that was that was their you know that was their, their, their thing. So she asked Ya Rasulullah, like, if you could spare a servant or a slave. They got the mala ghanima coming in anyway to help around with, like, chores. And the Rasul Sallallahu imagine this, he came into their room and the two of them are married. He sat in the bed right between them and he tells them, should I, like, with so much love, he said, should I not teach you this, like, thing that's better than all of that? And he said, say what? Subhanallah 33 times before you sleep say Subhanallah 33 times say Alhamdulillah 33 times and say Allahu Akbar 33 times before you sleep so in like amongst the Desi like Mulanas they literally call it the Tasbih Fatimi I don't know if you know if that's how it's called in other places but I've heard I haven't heard this from others but maybe it is I don't know they literally call it Tasbih Fatimi if the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was just parring people off with some pietitis type stuff he wouldn't have said it to his own family he would have just gotten her a servant obviously there's something in this that's different than what's in other things otherwise he wouldn't have picked it for himself he wouldn't have picked it for his beloved daughter people do mujahada they can't see their children do mujahada I know many I know many many distinguished members of the Mulviocracy they actively obstruct their children from learning ilm just because they cannot bear to see their children go through the difficulties that they went through. Rasulullah and his uh, Mubarak family, the Ahl Bayt al Athar, he picked something different for them. If you're a Sayyid and like, you know, your business is not working out, I'm sorry, there's something much bigger than, than something a four year degree from like the Wharton Business School can help you with here. That's pulling you toward a different direction than maximizing profits. That's one thing I wanted to mention. The second thing I wanted to mention this is that a person might say, well, if, you know, dhalika fadlullahi yutihi man yasha'u was going to be said anyway. What is the point? What is the point of mentioning this tasbih with the connection of the fuqara? There is a point. The point is, is this is that the wealthy amongst the companions of the Allah ended up doing it anyway, right? But that's not because that's how it's going to go. That's because they were the companions of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And they're the khayrul khala'iqi ba'dil anbiya. They're the best of the Lord's creation after the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Ta'ala made, uh, made them beautiful for the service of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we're the beneficiaries of that. But other people are not going to be like them. In general, they're not going to be like them. They're going to be 
Very few people later on. In general, in general, from the writings of the Mashaikh and from my own anecdotal uh, observation and, and experience, no matter how, how much effort you put, generally the more wealth a person has, the less tawfiq they have to do these things. So some people also, they're broke. Some people also, again, no girl will send them a nice DM back or no boy will send them a nice DM back. Or they'll send them a mean one. And they're like, oh my God, what is all of this? Let's like look into Sufism or whatever, right? Real or fake. I'll take either of them because I feel so horrible because nothing's working out for me. It's because the Lord loves you. Don't take it personally. Because if you had this thing that you wanted, you wouldn't have reached this maqam. You wouldn't have gotten what you wanted from Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment and what Allah Ta'ala wanted from you. This is obviously like nobody wants to go through like horrific difficulty in order to like, everyone's like, yeah Allah, can you make me, give me everything I want in this world and still I go to Jannah and be like a big like whatever. Yeah, Allah can do it. Allah Ta'ala can do it. But generally that's not how the system works. And actually Allah Ta'ala's way of doing it is better than yours. And if you see them, in general, the people for whom it does work out, right? The people like Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, people like Sayyidina Umar Allah, people like, you know, whose mujahadat are more stern, do you think? Theirs or, or the, the mujahadat of the people who reach a high maqam through a life of misery? It's, it's theirs. The people who have wealth and who have power, the only way you can balance through these two things is to crumple your nafs in a way that a person would like scream like bloody murder if they even were to look at it for a minute. That's one of the reasons. Remember we read from the, the Kashul Mahjub in Taraweeh? Every other sentence. Kids, don't try this at home. And some of these mujahadat are like, just like, they're, they're like obscenely difficult and like make a person like, be like, this is suffer It's not even like Islam. Like, okay, okay, just put that away. We're going to read Riyadh Salihin today instead. Right? You don't talk about those things in the Jummah Khutbah because people just don't understand like it. So that's what it is. Is that the type of mujahada that you have to do to combine both of those things, those are actually much harder than the, the mujahada of a person having no other options. Uh, because the option itself is just this like weird fitna in order to quash it. You have to have such a huge overreaction. Otherwise, everybody, everybody likes beautiful people. Everybody likes tasty food. Everybody likes eating carbs. Everybody likes fat. Everybody likes sugar. Everybody, if they were to try cocaine one time, they'd be like, yo, that's pretty cool. You know, everybody likes the, you know, money. Don't mind if I do. Thank you very much. Everybody, that's everybody. And people who have an innate dislike of those things, those are usually like psychiatric and like medical issues. Uh, that they'll be cured of, inshallah, when they enter Jannah. Because there's no point of entering Jannah and be like, yeah, I don't like nice things. Like, okay, no, inshallah, Allah will cure you of that, inshallah, when you get there. You'll like them when you get there. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the munasaba of this, that a person shouldn't lose that. It's a very salient thing, that a person shouldn't lose that detail. Now, does this mean you should seek poverty? No. If you know that wealth is going to deviate you from this path, and this path is more beloved to you than the wealth is, then don't actively go looking for it. Just accept that this is your lot, that you're going to have to drive like, you know, like whatever, a, a 10-year-old Camry, and don't, don't salivate next time the new Tesla comes out. Just don't look at it. It's a fitna. Don't look. It's fine. You can lower gaze for other, other things than just like attractive people. Don't make a fitna for yourself. Say, this is what I want out of my life, out of my death. Allah Ta'ala give it to you. If you're a person who can handle some of the mujahada, then only, you know, calibrate, only take whatever from it that you can, and uh, don't, don't let it be a fitna for you afterward. 
if this is important to you. If it's not important to you, what Allah Ta'ala obliges every person to do is what? Pray five times a day and to do these, you know, farda'in type things, which is difficult enough as it is and will be, you know, I'm surprised when I even see somebody who does that much. That person is, by definition, that's what one of the salihin is. So if you spend your life doing that and then afterward, you know, you want to like live, you know, like happy and like buy the new whatever every single time, then that's fine. But what I don't understand is everybody sees everybody sees where the world ends up. Everybody sees where good food ends up. Everybody sees where, uh, you know, new cars end up when they become old. Everybody sees, you know, the anthropomorphic equivalent thereof. Everyone sees all of that. So why would, why, I mean, it's cool. Like I'm, a, in that sense, I resemble a monkey as well because I'm like, ooh, shiny things. But like I understand something that the monkey may not understand uh, that hopefully all of us understand. So, you know, try to temper your, the amount of enticement that the dunya has for you from it and uh, know that if you're able to do the mujahada and combine the two of them this is the highest this is the highest path of wilaya and the proof of that is that the rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam was ruled as a sovereign with absolute power he didn't rule through weakness he didn't live his life in weakness even though there were people in Medina munawwara who were like that they didn't have enough food to eat and drink they're going to, they're mentioned they're going to be some of the first people that enter into Jannah on the Day of Judgment. And the angels will be, will be those, those fuqara of the muhajirin um, that will be the first ones to enter on the Day of Judgment. The angels will be surprised, like, don't you guys have to go and get, go do your hisab first before you can come? And they'll say that from the moment we said, La ilaha illallah until the day we died. Uh, uh, we never had, you know, we never had cl- enough clothing to cover ourselves, and we uh, never had an opportunity to put our swords down from our, from our shoulders. Like, what, what are you going to take his sab for? There's nothing there. So there were those people as well. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq radiAllahu anhu, Sayyidina Umar radiAllahu anhu weren't those people. They have, they were literally sovereigns that ruled over like world empire. That's the highest path of wilaya. This is why it's important to understand who the Khulafa Rashidun were. Everybody, let them get in where they fit in. But know that this is one of the things when you see the seduction of the of mal, shaitan will tell you like, oh, inshallah, I'll do all of it together. It doesn't work. And the cost for it to make it work, for some people, it's unbearable. If it's bearable for you, if you're that person, if you're on the manhaj rashidi, and you can do that, like the like like Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu anhu did, like you know the kibar of the sahaba radiallahu anhu did, make dua for me while you're there as well. And aspire to it. You don't have to have low aspirations either. But if you know it's not going to work, then don't, you know, don't, don't, don't spend a life torturing yourself because you don't get ahead by by lying to yourself and cheating yourself, and uh, uh, you know, and you don't get ahead by deluding yourself that if I just show up at the store with like ten dollars to buy like an iPhone or whatever, that maybe they'll accept it. It doesn't. The nizam doesn't work. That the gradations between things, the 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 kind of quantum uh, accounting for all things, just like we see that there's no violations for it in this world, it's even more stern in the next world, and it's even more stern in the unseen. وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين